the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There was a little girl who was asked to explain the difference between clergy and the laity, the people in the church. And here's here's what she said. She said the clergy uh, are paid to do good. And the laity are good for nothing. And she meant that they're good for free is what she meant to say. Uh, But today, all of you who are good for nothing, I hope to help you to be good for something. Good evening and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. I'm Kyle Welch. We are here every weeknight at this time on KKLA to lift up the name of Jesus Christ so that the entire world might believe. Sharing the gospel is our number one goal and the reason we are here. Dudley Rutherford is the senior pastor of Shepherd Church, located right here in Los Angeles. During these days of uncertainty, we believe this is the perfect time to turn off what the world wants to tell us and immerse ourselves in what God has to say to us through the Holy Bible. So let's join Pastor Dudley right now with his message for us tonight. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to look at chapter 12. I'm going to explain chapter 12 and chapter 14 uh, to you today. Now, you might not fully understand what I'm going to say to you today, but if you're saved, you have been called into ministry. You say, well, I have a job. I know you have a job, but if you're a Christian, God has a place of ministry for you. There was a little girl who was asked to explain the difference between clergy and the laity, the people in the church. And here's here's what she said. She said the clergy uh, are paid to do good, and the laity are good for nothing. And she meant that they're good for free is what she meant to say. Uh, But today, all of you who are good for nothing, I hope to help you to be good for something. Now, more than ever before, we need you to roll up your sleeves and get involved and serve in the kingdom of God. My entire life, and I've lived over half a century, I have never seen a time where the moral standards are as low as they are right now. We are losing our religious freedoms across this land. As a nation, we have turned our back on God. Our government is no longer upholding the laws of this land. We are a post-Christian nation, and there are millions who are lost in their sin without Christ. Now, 
we have people who come to church just look around. And we have people who actually listen to the sermons. But when church is over, they leave. And we're really not involved in things that are making a difference in the kingdom of God. Now here's the interesting thing. At the same time that our morals that are an all-time low, there has never been a better time to share Jesus because people are desperate. They've tried humanism. They've tried the New Age movement. They've tried secularism and meism. They've tried everything underneath the sun there is to try, and nothing in this world satisfies. And so they're hungry and they're searching. And in my humble but accurate opinion, God has called each of us to serve and to minister and to make a difference in this world. And not only, and here's the whole sermon, not only has he called you to do ministry, he has equipped you to do ministry, to get the job done. God has already placed in you the gifts that if all of us were operating and using these gifts, we could change the city of Los Angeles for God. We could do that. If we were all involved, we could do it. So number one, number one is the description of these gifts. And they're found in verse one. I want you to write this, or look at verse one. Now about spiritual gifts. This is 1 Corinthians 12, brothers. I do not want you to be ignorant. Now whenever anyone says, I don't want you to be ignorant, it's because you're ignorant. Okay? Number one, write, write this down. These are spiritual gifts. I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. The average Christian, the average church is ignorant about these gifts. I I think, of course, the reason is we've never taken the time to actually study this text in detail. I want to tell you this. Everybody look up here. We're only going to scratch the surface. I guarantee you when I'm done preaching today, I guarantee you this. When I'm done, you're going to have more questions than you have right now. You're going to have more questions uh, than I have answers for. I want you to study your Bible on your own. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.15, to study to show yourself approved. When the Holy Spirit entered into you, the Holy Spirit gave you some gifts. Now, how many of you have ever received a gift from a friend? Raise your hand if you ever received a gift. Now, if you're not raising your hand right now, you need new friends. Okay? Can you say amen? Okay. Well... Your, your best friend in a whole world is Jesus. And when Jesus saved you, he gave you some gifts. These are not uh, material gifts. They are not natural gifts. They are spiritual gifts. You could say supernatural gifts because they're not natural. Down in verse 4, I just want you to write this down. It it talks about gifts in verse 4. And there's a word there in the Greek called charis where we get our word charismatic. uh, And the word charis means grace. And so not only are these spiritual gifts, they are grace gifts. And the reason they're called grace gifts is obvious you don't deserve them you didn't work for them you didn't earn them and you didn't learn them those two words rhyme by the way you didn't earn them and you didn't learn them they were just given to you as a gift now number two write this down uh this is what i call the distortion of these gifts 
Now, in Corinth, it was a very, very carnal church, and the spiritual gifts that God had given to them had been distorted. They were abusing the gifts. They were using them for selfish reasons. They were misusing the gifts. They were saying, this gift is more important than that gift. They were perverting the gifts and that they were twisting them around, uh, using them for things that God never intended them to be used for. They were pitting the gifts against one another. My gift is better than yours. No, my gift is better than yours. And some people, of course, were ignoring the gifts. And the devil was counterfeiting some of these gifts. And what was happening, I'm trying to make all this, I'm trying to sum all this up for you, is that in their worship services, you had people all over the church misusing these gifts during the service. People were competing. Uh, one person would stand up and just start exercising their gifts. Some guy sitting over here looked over. Well, that guy thinks he's spiritual. I'll show him how spiritual I am. And he would stand up and he would start doing his thing. And then someone would see those two people going and the guy in the back. So I'm better than both those guys. And he'd stand up in the back. And then they started arguing about which gift was more important. And the whole thing, the whole service was simply being disrupted by people who said that they were using their gifts in worship service. And, and, and really, all of chapter 12 and all of chapter 14 is Paul saying these words, you folks need to settle down and conduct yourselves, not in the, you think, you're, you think you're operating in the spirit and you're actually operating in the flesh. And some people would say, well, I just can't help myself, Paul, when, when the spirit takes over, the spirit just takes over. I can't control what the spirit does. If you've ever met anyone who's ever said to you, well, when the Holy Spirit takes over, I don't have any control. They've never read the Bible. Just you look at him, that, that guy's never read the Bible because that's not in the Bible. I want you to look over in chapter 14, go over there real quick, and, and we're just trying to talk about the distortion of the gifts. We're going to actually go through the gifts here in a minute. But in chapter 14, verse 32, it's a very important verse. In the middle of all this chaos, he says, the spirits of the prophets... All that spirit, spirit work is subject to the control of the prophets. You understand what he's saying there? He's saying you can't just say well, the Holy Spirit took it. No, the control, the, whatever's going on spiritually in the exercise of these spiritual gifts, you can never say, well, I couldn't control myself because whatever's happening in that spirit is controlled. The, the prophet does have power to control to a certain degree. Now look at verse 33. And here's his point. For God is not, say the word not. He is not a God of disorder, but of peace. And go all the way to verse 40, which is kind of, he's really concluding all of chapter 12, 13, and 14, this whole section on what's going on in the worship services. He says, everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Now, now I'm just telling you what happens. You know, some of our services, we plan them a year in advance. I actually went to the worship, one of the worship people this week and said, hey, I know the song that we're going to sing next Easter. Now, you're not worried about the song on next Easter, but we're picking that stuff out now. Some stuff in this service right here, this, this sermon was planned almost a year ago. And this always happens. It always happens. I'm out front. Someone comes up and says, Pastor, I got a word from the Lord. Can I stand up and share it with the church?
And I, and I, I go, no. And the reason I say no is because God is a God of order. If I let that guy get up and give the word, guess what's going to happen next week? I'm going to have 10 people come and say, hey, I got a word from the Lord. Okay. And then 20, then 30, then 50. And then pretty soon our church would be as chaotic as, as, uh, as the church in Corinth. And so everything here is done. I just want you to know that God is a God of order. We do everything. We have an order and we kind of stick to that. And we still allow God to work and move within the spirit uh, in the service. But we do things in an orderly manner. Can you say amen? amen. Now. I, I want to tell you this. I love the Holy Spirit. I have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in me. I couldn't live one day. I couldn't live one day without the Holy Spirit in me. I can say, just as Isaiah said it in Isaiah chapter 61, uh, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for the Lord has appointed me to preach the good news. I know that. I sense that. I feel that. But if you ever see a parade, and I, let me just say this, the, 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 here's the big problem. The big problem was in all this spiritual gift stuff, that people were putting more emphasis on the spiritual gift than they were on Jesus Christ. And according to John chapter 16, verses 13 and 14, the Holy Spirit's job is to magnify Jesus. All right? Now, you've got you to understand, if everyone's just talking and everyone's doing their thing, it's very distracting for someone who walk in here. No one's going to hear anything about Jesus. And so we, we do things in an orderly way because we want everyone when they come and when they, they leave to have heard something about Jesus Christ. And, and as I said, I love the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in me. But the only reason the Holy Spirit is in me is that I might point people to Jesus Christ. Adrian Rogers said, if you ever see a parade, you'll never see the Holy Spirit leading the parade. If it's a spiritual parade. You'll see if there's a spiritual parade, you'll see Jesus leading the parade, and you'll see the Holy Spirit on the sidelines telling everybody, look at him, look at him, look at him, look at him, because the Holy Spirit's job is to magnify Jesus Christ. I want to show you this verse of Scripture. In every little detail of the whole church, do not ever forget this one verse. Colossians 1 verse 18, it says that he, Christ, say Christ, Christ is the head of the body, he's the head of the church he is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy amen you want to know whether or not this is a church you want to know whether or not this church is spirit-filled if you want to know if my preaching is spirit-filled if you want to know if our music is spirit-filled uh, if you want to know if you're operating your gift under the guidance of the Holy Spirit of God, you have to answer one question. Does it give preeminence to Jesus Christ? And if it does, then it's spirit-filled. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Now, number three, let's get to this, the diversity of the gifts. And um, I, I, don't, I have this where you don't have to fill in a lot of blanks because i, I got to talk so fast, I don't have time for you to write stuff down. But in verses 4, 5, and 6, you're going to find the word different. Say the word different. You're going to find it three times. In verse 4, once in verse 4, once in verse 5, and once in verse 6. And, um, and again, I go through this. You just kind of look at your Bible or look at the screen. Verse 4, he says there's different kinds of gifts and different kinds of service and different kinds of workings. And all that means is that God works through many different kinds of gifts. And this is not a congregation of clones. We're not all the same. Now, we have the same spirit. If you're a Christian and I'm a Christian, I have the same spirit 
of God in me, and you have the same Spirit of God in you. The Spirit is the same, but the gifts are different. And in the Bible, there's all kinds of different lists of gifts. We're only going to look at two. I don't even have time to get to the two. So there are other gifts. That's why you need to study your Bible. Again, I just want to uh, pique your interest so you'll study uh, much deeper. And I want to begin on the left side of your bulletin in, back in chapter 12. I want to go through these gifts and just touch on them briefly. First, in verse 8, is the gift of wisdom. To one there's given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. Wisdom is not just being smart. Wisdom is not common sense. It's uncommon sense. It's wisdom that comes from God. In all issues and all situations, there are some people that know exactly what you should do. The gift of wisdom is the one who has the ability to know God's will. Usually, this person doesn't talk a lot. Uh, He sits in the room and he observes and he watches and he listens. If you hear someone talking a lot, they don't really have the gift of wisdom. Usually they just sit back, everyone's talking, and at the very end, someone will say, well, what do you think? And when they speak, you better have your seatbelt on because they pour forth wisdom. It's almost as though God was sitting there telling you what you should be doing. You have that sense. Then we have, in verse 8, the gift of knowledge. In the Greek, it says a word of knowledge. And this does not mean that you know it all. Some people think, well, hey, I have the gift of knowledge because I know everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most husbands think they know everything. Right, 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 right. Okay, I got that. It doesn't mean that you know it all. These are not things that you learn in school. These are not things that you learn by trial and error. These are not things you learn because you memorize things. I know some people that are, I know people who have photographic memory. They just see things and memorize everything they see. You, You ever met anyone like that? Can't stand people like that. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Don't they irritate you? They tell you, hey, you remember back in 1985 you said this? No, I don't even remember 1985, period. Oh, yeah, you said this in a sermon on the third service. on the, about the, oh, Anyway, let me keep going. I got off track. Um, the gift of knowledge means that you have the ability to know things by divine intuition. It is God-given insight. You see this in Acts chapter 5. When Peter was talking to Ananias and Sapphira, who had lied about their giving. Now, I know no one here has ever lied about their giving. But in Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, they lied about their giving. And Peter said these words, you've not lied to men, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. Now, how did Peter know that? He knew that because God had given him a word of knowledge. You've all heard that story of the small factory, and uh, one of the main machines broke down, so the whole factory had to stop, and they hired out an expert uh, to fix the machine. So this guy comes out, and he walks around the machine. It took him like 60 seconds, and then he reached into his uh, tool kit, and he took, took out a little hammer, and he went over right to the little corner, and he just tapped it, and the whole machine started to work. And then he gave him a bill for $200. And the guy says, how in the world can you charge me $200 for tapping that machine? He goes, well, I'll itemize it for you. And he took the bill back and he wrote, here's what he wrote down. He wrote, uh, tapping the machine, $1. 
knowing where to tap the machine, $199. The wise person, the wise person says, yes, this is of God. We need to do this. The person with knowledge says, okay, here's how we're going to do this. The gift of faith, number three there. This is uh, not the same as saving faith. If you're saved, it's because you put your faith in Jesus. That's called saving faith. This is a greater measure of faith. It's called, we, we call it superabundant faith. It's the ability to trust in God in the face of overwhelming obstacles. Corey Tinboom was a person of great faith. The missionaries Nate Saint and Jim Elliott, uh, if you've ever read that book, the, uh, I think Through the Gates of Splendor, and a guy in our church did a movie called The End of the Spear. Bill Ewing uh, filmed that movie. Of the four missionaries who went down to Ecuador to, to reach cannibals, people who kill and eat people, the most violent They were the most, I don't know if they're cannibals, but they were the most violent tribe on the face of the entire earth. And these four missionaries go down there and they, they begin to minister. And one day the tribe turns against and kills all four missionaries, spears them all to death. That's where the name of the movie came, the end of the spear. You say, well, that's great faith to go into that time. Well, that's faith, but I'll tell you the greater faith, greater faith than that are the widows of those men who died after uh, their husbands were killed, the widows said, "I, I, I know they killed our husbands, but we need to go in and see if we can reach this tribe. And so the widows go into the tribe, and lo and behold, the tribe, they become Christians. And the most brutal tribe in the world becomes the most loving tribe. Now, those women that went back in there, that is supernatural faith. Amen? Now, Noah, Noah had that faith when he built the ark. Abraham had that type of faith when he was willing to sacrifice his one and only son. The 12 disciples had that faith when they were willing to leave their jobs to follow after Jesus. Paul and Silas had that faith when they were praying in a jail at midnight. And it's that person who's willing to trust in God no matter what the circumstances. It's a gift of faith. Then we have the gift of healings in verse 9. God has many ways to heal. He can heal by miracles, and He can heal by medicine. He can heal instantaneous, or He can heal over time. He can heal by doctors, or He can heal without doctors. He can heal by answering your prayer. God is the physician of all physicians. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every night here on KKLA. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message tonight has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 
888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. We also want you to know that Pastor Dudley Rutherford has a monthly devotional that he'd like to share with you. You can easily sign up to receive this devotional by simply going to our website, liftupjesus.com and clicking on a link at the top of the page that says monthly devotional. There is a place on the monthly devotional page where you can enter your name and email address and begin receiving Pastor Dudley's monthly devotions on a regular basis. It's that simple. This is just one of the many resources we offer on our website, liftupjesus.com. That website again is liftupjesus.com. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us every weeknight at the same time here on KKLA as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.